This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Listeners, thanks for joining us today. We want to ask you three favors right at the beginning again. Be sure to submit a question by going to our church website, vcob.org, and click on that button that says Q&A podcast. Second, be sure to share this podcast with a friend, family member, or a foe. And then third, be sure to go to the iTunes store and rate and review this podcast or any of the others so we can push it out there to as many listeners as possible. Six stars. Six stars. Is that possible? I don't think that's possible. <laughs> I think they only have five. All right, fine. All right. But that, that's a, that, we're, we're, we're hoping for the best. All right, Pastor Michael, here's our question for today. This is actually a two-parter, so listeners, be sure to join us next time where we answer the second half of this. Why does the Catholic Bible have seven more books? In other words, we know that they have extra. What about these extra books do we want to talk about today? Yeah, when um, when I went to I went to Catholic um, school from first grade to twelfth grade, and Father Father Donaher, old 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 man, and uh, he would teach in our ninth grade religion class, and we all had to sing the books of the Bibles and I, the book the seven books of the um, extra books in the Catholic Bible. And oh, okay. The song ended with. First and second Maccabees. That's <laughs> so, where you learn to sing. Yeah, no, I didn't. I never <laughs> learned to sing. I learned how to talk in a way that <clears throat> strings words together in incoherent melodies. So, but here's what I want to do. I want I want to preface all of this with one huge big question. This is really important. It is because God's word is a revelation of his heart Mm -hmm. and his will and right thinking that transcends cultures. There is a lot at stake in this question. There really is. If the Catholics get this wrong, that's a huge deal Mm -hmm. because now we have seven books and change that um, are not fully accurately reflecting the heart of God. And we want to just be really, really, really Mm -hmm. careful about this. So there's a, there's a, there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. So um, I need to teach our listeners three words. And uh, these three words are going to help us answer this question. The three words are number one, intertestamental period. (laughs) Yeah. What does that mean? Sounds like, uh, yeah, sounds sounds like like we're Uh, it's a time of 400 years-ish between ish. the book of Malachi, um, which was written-ish, 535 BC. We have a lot mm-hmm. of words-ish when it comes ish, to the, yeah, the dating of books, um, and the time of Jesus. So it's roughly 400 years between these times where there was no prophet. Mm-hmm. That is one of the most important parts here. So in the history of Israel, there's almost always been a prophet speaking to the people on behalf of God. That's right. And uh, with the book of Malachi, it seems like those prophets just went away. Yeah, they just cease. And God gave the nation of Israel because of their sins over to the oppression of foreign nations from Greece to Rome in this intertestamental period. And uh, the Jews at this time are living in oppression. They are being um, enslaved. Many of them are being uh, executed. It's just a terrible it's time a terrible for the season. Jews. And they're wondering where is God? Mm-hmm. Why isn't he intervening? Why isn't he communicating? And so what would happen in this period is that there would be communities of Jews that would isolate themselves. They'd go out into the desert. They would live in privacy and they would write a lot of books. And, mm-hmm. and so there was a ton of literature being put out in this time. Um, but none of this literature was understood at the time to 
to be, to be scripture. scripture. And that's that's just a fact. Catholics will even agree with that. That's right. Um, but what's interesting about this is that all of the Hebrew Old Testament is written in Hebrew or Aramaic, mm-hmm. which is a, a, another version, we'll say, of a Semitic language like Hebrew. Um, but the intertestamental period, um, there are a whole bunch of books written in this period. Now, we're going to give you the second word, apocrypha. There you go. And these books are not written in Hebrew, they're written in Greek because mm-hmm. the Greek language took over the world, if you will, at that time. And so the Apocrypha is, is this huge corpus of books that are written in the intertestamental period, um, all written in, in Greek, Greek mm-hmm. mostly by these Jewish communities um, who are writing about their experiences. And every one of these books um, gives you just a snapshot, a glimpse into these small Jewish communities in this intertestamental um, period. And the word apocrypha really means something that's hidden, something that's, something that's been uh, not revealed yet. Yes. And and one of the reasons it's called apocrypha is because uh, many of the communities in this intertestamental period um, were very much given over to some version of mysticism. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very um, interesting time in the theological world of the Jewish people, but they had no prophets. They had no, we'll say, new revelation to guide them. And uh, a lot right. of these sub-communities were left to themselves mm-hmm. in the deserts. I always say they were hallucinating because they were in the <laughs> desert and they started seeing things. But um, So they're called apocryphal. So number one, we have intertestamental period, a period of roughly 400 years between Malachi and the time of Jesus. And we have the Apocrypha, which is this corpus of, of Jewish literature written in the Greek language mm-hmm. um, in this season that's revealing much of the culture and the experiences and the happenings of this intertestamental period. A subcategory of Apocrypha is called deuterocanonical. Deutero means second, second. canonical means mm-hmm. canon, or um, canon is a word that basically we would say these are the um, official books of Scripture. That's what canon, if a book mm-hmm. is in the canon, it's officially Official. Scripture. So these are called the deuterocanonical books because it's called the second canon. It's a whole separate group of books that um, we find later. We'll explain when and how that happened, but um, that Christians called um, canon of Scripture. They called mm-hmm. them actual books of the Bible inspired by God. These um, deuterocanonical books, now remember, they are a part of the Apocrypha, but they're a separate subgroup, mm-hmm. seven books plus some other um, parts of books. And here are the deuterocanonical books that the Roman Catholic church would uphold as scripture and not only roman catholic but it would be the greek and roman uh, i'm sorry a russian orthodox yep they would they would hold to these too baruch first and second maccabees tobit judith sirach and wisdom those are the seven books and then um, the books of daniel and esther in the jewish bible have additions to them in the mm-hmm. catholic bible in the orthodox bibles and so these books together equal the deuterocanonical the second canon the additions to the canon if you will and they are a subcategory of the apocryphal literature which is literature written by the jewish people in the intertestamental period now you see why all this is <laughs> all important these words to know. go together they all go together and they're really important um, but at least now you know that these are books that in the um, in the councils of Trent in the 16th century that were added to the canon, not in the early church. We're talking 1600 years later. Right, they were added by these by the Roman Catholic Church um, into the canon, which is why they're called.
called deuterocanonical because the canon had already largely been established and then these were later um, added into it. Now, mm -hmm. I, I want to say a couple things about the deuterocanonical books. They're not evil books. Read them. They're no, great. Some of them have great historical facts. Yeah. First and Second Maccabees oh, is an incredible, it's just yeah. incredible literature to help you understand the oppression and the plight of the Jews under Antiochus Epiphanes and all these crazy things. And the books of Maccabees follow the Maccabean family, a yeah. significant um, Jewish um, family in um, the and first and second. And how God was really working in the history and the lives of the, of the nation of Israel. Yep. So we always say um, the Deuterocanonical books are excellent to read. They're great in terms of historical value, although um, some of them some you'll of find them are, are very, out, very mystical and whatnot. But each of them give you an insight into the Jewish community of the time they were written in this intertestamental period. Um, they're big snapshots into mm -hmm. their world. So it's really, really helpful because you read Malachi and then you pick up in the Gospels in Matthew, well, what happened for 400 years? Mm -hmm. Well, this is what happened. These books are super helpful. Now, just because um, uh, it has the word apocrypha doesn't mean it's helpful. Mm -hmm. There are crazy, crazy, crazy apocryphal books that are worthless and of no value. The Deuterocanonical books have been um, books that through the um, history of the church, we've always said these are helpful, good books that are that really help us understand um, what was going on in the in this intertestamental period. That being said, even with the addition of them, yes. there is nothing in any of these books that is going to lead, um, we'll say, the church in doctrinal directions that are going to contradict the gospel. So there's nothing of, of huge significance. And, and some Roman Catholics go back to a section of the book of Maccabees to justify praying for the dead. Even the, the text itself doesn't even doesn't, allow that interpretation. Really allow for that. Um, it's a stretch at best. And, and so the books aren't even necessarily contradictory to anything. And that's not our, our big concern. Just the big concern is, are they explicitly scripture mm -hmm. breathed from the heart of God through the pen of the apostles or the pen of, 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 of um, prophets um, for the church and for God's people? Like That's what I want to know. Yes. And um, my big answer is going to be, we, we have nothing to validate that that is the truth. And to prove that to you, I'm going to invite you back tomorrow. And I'm going to answer a question as part two to this. The question is this. What canon or what groups of books um, from the Old Testament did Jesus and the apostles use? Did they use or recognize the deuterocanonical books as scripture? If so, I want to use the Old Testament that, that Jesus use. yes. used, not the Old Testament that the Catholics use. If they're the same, I want to use that mm -hmm. one. And if they're different, I want to know. So tomorrow, come back. We're going to answer that. And I'm going to prove it to you. Thanks, listeners, for joining us today. Please join us for part two tomorrow when we finish answering the question, why does the Catholic Bible have seven more books? 